You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hello, this is Anurana, and I make original prints and clothing and accessories for a living. Anu Reina is an artist and fashion designer living and working in Oakville, Ontario. Since launching her ready-to-wear collection in 2010, she's gone on to win notable awards, hold prestigious residencies, receive national press coverage, and exhibit internationally. Here's my chat with Anu Reina. Who are you and what do you make for a living? My name is Anu Reina, and I'm a textile artist and a designer. So I make my own prints from scratch. I hand draw my prints and then I make them into repeats and then I make them into clothing and accessories. So how did you get started doing this? I went to Sheridan College textile program and uh, after two kids. So it was my passion. I went to Sheridan just to check out a program and I fell in love with textiles and then I absolutely loved it, and I graduated with a very high GPA, a governor's medal, and a whole bunch of scholarships, and artist-in-residency sponsorship at uh, Harborfront Center. So I got a bunch of money, a couple of thousand dollars um, in scholarships money, and then I thought, okay, let me start my own business for this, like creative business. So then I was at Harborfront Center for one year. And then I printed some silk scarves. And then I went to the stores, knocking on the doors. <laughs> and they carried my products and they sold them. And they asked for more. So initially I did it on consignment. And I was like, please carry my stuff and you know if it doesn't sell i'll take it back so they were like yeah sure why not we'll give you a try and then they sold actually and then i was making more and then i was making more and that's how it started let me roll this back though for a second you had two kids what what age were they before you went into sheridan my daughter was uh, three and my son was about Eight. So you've got a three-year-old and an eight-year-old. Yeah. And had you ever done anything in textile and fashion before this, before going into school? I went to London College of Fashion, uh, London, England, for a fashion program, but that was a long time back. That was when I, I met my husband right after, and we got married and moved here, and then... I was busy raising kids because my husband went back to school. He went to Rotman UFT to do his MBA. So I was home taking care of the kids. So because at the time we couldn't really afford paying a daycare. So I had to be home with kids to make sense of it because obviously he was a full-time student. We had two kids. So after he was done his MBA, then I was like, okay, it's my turn now. <laughs> So he was like, okay, why don't you go see what you want to do? So it was a long, long gap before mm -hmm. I went back to school. And I knew I wanted to do something creative. And since I had knowledge of pattern making and from my fashion school, but I was always kind of artsy. So I wanted to combine the two to make some sense out of both my programs. Why did you decide to go back to school rather than just start right into a business? 
I wasn't sure. I was very confused because it had been a long time and I hadn't really worked in the industry after graduating from my from my fashion program. After although I did pretty well and I scored like merits and distinctions in the program. So that was in back in London, England, but I ha I didn't have any work experience here. I worked briefly here as a design consultant. And uh, it was a long, long gap, and I was—I didn't have the confidence, kind of, to jump into uh, careers straight away. So I just, my husband was like, "Okay, why don't you go check out? We have a beautiful art school in our neighborhood, since we lived in Oakville." So I went to check out the program, and I absolutely fell in love with the program. I fell in love with the whole vibe of the school, the craft department, art and craft. Like it has four branches there, like furniture, glass, and ceramics and textiles. So it was like a little kind of biome of art and craft and creativity. So I just wanted to be a part of it. Basically, I knew right away. I was going to be here. I didn't. I didn't really care anymore. <laughs> like, will I get a job or will I? What am I going to do with this? But I just wanted to be a part of it. So I signed up, and I absolutely loved it. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to make my own prints, and then I can use my knowledge from the fashion school to turn them into clothing and accessories. Did you make this decision while you were at school, like as part of your program? Towards the end, yeah, mm -hmm. towards the end of the program, because I then for my final major project, I did a collection of clothing inspired by my childhood and my mother's memories. And we had to like do two major projects. And one of the major projects was that I did was a large scale portrait of my mother. There was a lot of story behind it. She, I lost my mom to cancer when I was 10. So there were a lot of memories of her, like buying stuff for us, our wedding, my sister and my, mine. Probably she, she knew she wouldn't be there for us. So there were a lot of memories. So I made a huge 50 inches by camp. It was like, 90 inches portrait, silk screened with a patchwork of mylar on which I printed the blocks and freehand drawing. And I hand embroidered a poem on it in French that said, talked about how every day I would wake up in her arms and still pretend to be sleeping. And she would wake me up and I would open my eyes to see her beautiful face. So this, uh, this was a very large artwork I made and it ended up at Pearson Airport for, they loaned it for three months, but they ended up keeping it for over a year. Do you have it back now or did it sell? No, I didn't sell it. I got, I got offers from, I got so many emails from all across the globe because it was a Terminal 1 departure lounge. So people were writing me very, very emotional emails about their own memories. And then I had this Hollywood actress who wanted to buy it, but I didn't have a heart to sell it <laughs> because there were a lot of tears went into making it. 
So my clothing was inspired by the same portrait, but again, I wanted to kind of challenge myself. Can I turn this memory, this whole thing I made, can I challenge myself to turn it into a line of clothing inspired by the portrait itself? So I made a line of clothing and accessories, all hand dyed, silk screened, and I got an opportunity to show it at the Toronto Fashion Week. Did you have an actual show or was it part of someone's run? No, no, I had an actual show. I I took my pieces and showed it to the president, Robin Kay at FDCC. And uh, she waved off my runway fees very, very kindly. And then I showed my hand-dyed, hand-printed collection. It's on my website, the very first collection. Which one's that called? It's called Chapter 2, Page 1. If you scroll down, it's the first one, very first. That that was my graduating collection from Sheridan. And I graduated with a lot of, like, scholarships. I was the valedictorian of the class, so... Why do you think you had such success after such a long start? I really had to make it work. I remember I had to get A-plus in everything (laughs) because I couldn't justify going back to school after two kids if I didn't do it well. And uh, we were tight. But then I just wanted to make I thought this was my chance to do something. And I loved the program. I loved the instructors. I loved my school. I loved the whole vibe. So I think it wasn't just me alone. I think my teachers, my instructors, who still remain amazing friends, they helped me, they guided me. So it was, it was, it was the best, best years of my creative life at Sheridan. Did you find it difficult being an older student amongst, I'm assuming, a lot of younger folks who were just starting out themselves? Actually, no, we had, we had some younger students, we had, but we had a bunch of older students too, because all the older students, there were some people from accounting back, backgrounds, nursing backgrounds, but people, older people, I believe they're more serious about it because they know they're leaving something behind, you know, their careers, and they come into this program and they work really, really hard. Yeah, I think that that happens in a lot of programs. Mature students tend to take it a lot more seriously. Exactly, yeah. And they tend to have a lot more on the line. That's exactly, I guess that was with me too. You came back to this from a long time away, and right out of the gates you had really wonderful response. Did you ever run into any stumbling blocks in the way of of, of you moving forward? I doubt myself every day. Yes, that's. I think it took me reading Peter London's book <laughs> because I was like every day quitting. I was thinking, no, I'm no good. I'm not good. I'm not good enough. But then I was like, okay, what is good enough? Let me just do this stuff and you know show people and then let them decide if I am good. And it's it's a battle. It's a battle for artists every day. It's a you are doubting yourself every day. So what do you think it is about artists that makes them want to confront 
and conquer that fear and that doubt and, and go ahead and put their stuff out regardless. A lot of people would cower. What makes them different? Because there is no other way. You just have to do it. So even if you're shit scared, you might as well do it and still be scared. But you have to do it. And that's how it was with me. I was like, okay, I have to do this. I'm scared. Like, you know, I was full of doubts and it's like fake it till you make it. But you just, you know, it just, you have to do it. There's no other way. How did the people in your life respond versus total strangers to your initial work? Uh, a lot of people told me I was wasting my time doing textiles and I should do something else, you know, work at a bank or make some money, do something else. But I have always been a very creative person. And my own family, my husband supported me a lot. He was like, don't bother, don't worry, just do it. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. I just, that's all that matters. Be happy. And my kids, when I had, when I was chosen the valedictorian and I got, won the governor's medal, they came with me on the stage to receive my certificate and they were so proud of me. So, which meant everything. I didn't really listen to anybody else. That's what mattered to me, what my family thought about me. Do you have a large family here or is it just your immediate family? Uh, no, uh, my immediate family. Yeah, my parents are not alive. What do you think they would have thought of what you're doing and, and, and the success you've enjoyed? Oh, they would have been so proud of me, especially my dad. But unfortunately, they both of them passed, passed away of cancer. What is it about your dad that would have made him especially proud? My dad was a veterinarian and uh, he was always pushing us to do sciences and probably he didn't see much future in art so he was a little bit disappointed i didn't do like medicine and stuff and i didn't get amazing grades at school so i think he would have been proud today to see that i did do something in the field that i loved he loved me but Probably he always thought I would become a doctor or something. And my heart was just not there. Yeah, my dad's a doctor. I, I, I think he would always would have wanted me to be a doctor, but I showed no proficiency whatsoever. <laughs> Here you go. I think patients are happy I'm not a doctor. Let's put it that way. The medical profession is better off. So ultimately, with all of your work, where are you headed? What are you trying to achieve or convey with your work? I am uh, not trying to honestly achieve anything. I'm just trying to find my own self. Because in my work, I'm kind of, it's, it's so therapeutic for me. It's, uh, we went through a lot. We, I was born in Kashmir, lost my mother at a young age, and then we lost our home to terrorism. We were kicked out of our homes, so never been back ever since. And it was a lot, journey from there to here. It was a lot to deal with emotionally. So I guess with my work, again, my inspirations come from my memories, my own life, or the people I meet, or the books I read. It 
resolves me bit by bit every day. So it's I'm 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 never focused on really being on cover of Vogue or something. I guess that's where the artist part of me dominates than a designer part. I feel I'm more of an artist than a designer. How do you define the difference between the two? Uh, designers look at outside world, what's happening, and then they design. Or, you know, and artists often look inside themselves. They look in versus looking outside. And then whatever comes out of that, looking inside you, is always original. Whereas when you're looking outside for inspiration or you're seeing what's going on, what's the trend, it might end up a copy again. But artists, in case of artists, it's always original. Do you find it difficult to navigate that? Knowing that you're an artist and a designer second, are you often regarded as a designer first and an artist not at all? I think people always, yeah, they tell me I'm... They call me an artist first. I've heard it in so many. I've I've been wondering about it myself. How people see me? Like I know what I'm doing, but I don't know how people see me. So I might ask you, how do I come across? How does my work come across? <laughs> Maybe you can help me there. When we initially started talking, I assumed you were a designer first. But in speaking with you, it's clear to me that you 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 come at fashion from a from an art perspective. And I find that really refreshing and interesting. Uh, not to say that one way is better than the other. It's just, it, you know, I look at the clothes and I see things that I'm not used to seeing, uh, whether it's the cuts, whether it's the fabrics, uh, the designs, the colors. So to me, clearly, you're trying to express something. You're not just trying to dress people. Yes, that's, that's yeah, that's the gist. Yeah, I quite agree with you. Phew. Yeah. I'm glad I got it right. <laughs> oh, you did. You did. You did. So I, I do. I think I see myself as an artist first and designer second. Let me shift gears a little bit to the business side of things. Are you doing all of this yourself? Do you have a team? Do you have a, a studio? How is it kind of organized? I have a studio in my at my home, in my basement, but... Most of my work, production, and everything happens is in, is in Toronto. So I work with a production facility. So I give them my pattern. I give them my first sample, and they do the production for me. And do you have business partners, or is it all being handled by you? My husband is my partner in the business, but he helps me with the accounting side. And the, all the creative side, I do myself. That's a pretty good one-two punch to have an MBA doing your business stuff while you're doing the art. It's a lot to handle. Like, you know, kids, my daughter, she's 14, and she's a competitive squash player, and she travels a lot for tournaments. And uh, at 13, she won under 13. She was number two in Canada. And uh, she's 14, and all her tournaments are canceled for now. But otherwise, like, we travel a lot. So that's a, she plays, she goes to Alberta and Vancouver and Victoria, London, England, and all, all across the globe to play. So it's pretty hectic. So you do need a team. So I do all my creative stuff. 
I take her for training sessions. Yeah, and all the household stuff, cooking, cleaning. So it's a lot to deal with. So, and I have an intern too from Sheridan and who helps out a lot too. So you've kept you know really close ties with Sheridan if you've got uh, an intern coming from there. I do, yeah. I have um, I, a few years back, three or four years back, I started uh, an award, excellence award there. For, it's not a lot, $500 for the best um, excellence in surface design award. And my school, I'm ever so grateful to it and all the people there. They, they are the best of my friends even today. So I owe them a lot. So I get an intern from the program as well who helps me out. And I, of course, they learn a lot about how to run your own business. What sort of stuff do you have them doing and helping you out with? They help me with dyeing fabrics and they help me with silk screening. Yeah. And they help me with labeling. So it's pretty hands-on. Yeah, it's pretty hands-on because uh, graduating from that program, they need to see how to make an end product. They help me with photo shoots. Like they come with me to the photo shoots. They get to see the whole picture, right? From a piece of cloth to finished product. So it helps them a lot too. So, you know, in case they want to start their own game tomorrow, so they know what they're doing and how to go about it. And then straight connections as well. What's the toughest challenge you face running your own business? You're always chasing invoices. It's the financial angle. <laughs> because before your end product is made, you have to pay everyone upfront. But then you have to wait till you sell your product. So it's that cycle that's very kind of it's hard it's, it's a tough job to maintain that cycle of payments and yeah because you have to pay for printing also i used to do a lot of printing myself but in high school i broke my arm and there was a school bus accident and i've had like three surgeries the latest one was like a three-hour surgery in london ontario at st joseph's so I'm not able to do a lot of printing myself now. So I have to go digital. So if I go digital, I have to pay the printer first. Then I make a sample. Then I have to give to my contractor. Then I have to pay him before I get finished goods. So there's a lot of payments I have to make upfront before I can get a final product. Is there a way that you've set things up? Like, How have you been able to overcome this? Well, once people know you and they know your work, you've been working with them for a long time. With me, I'm still working with the same people I started out with. So I like, I like to build a team and being loyal to people. And I always remember the good things people did for me. And you stick together, basically. And then my printer, he's an amazing guy, Michael. So he, he, he gives me some time to pay my invoices. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like juggling. It's, it, it works out. Like once you build a team of people who work with you, work with you for a long time, 
And uh, yeah, if I say, okay, can I pay this invoice next month? Sure, not a problem because we've been working for with the same people right from the day one. So. Right. You want you build up a little community yourself and you support each other and you're reasonable with each other. How do you go about promoting yourself? Uh, since uh, I don't have mega marketing budgets and I started my business with scholarship money, so I never had really... I've been lucky enough that, you know, Robin Kay gave me my first break and she waved off my runway fees and people have been kind, really. So, yeah, and that first show gave me a lot of marketing and uh, because it was at Toronto Fashion Week and I got some good press, some bad press, and I got some press. So people, what do you think about the bad press? <laughs> people didn't like my cuts. There were a lot of, like, you can't please everyone. So people who were interested in, I am good at creating surface designs and, you know, textures and telling the story. But then when some people come to a fashion week, they expect bolder cuts and, you know, like trends and that kind of stuff, which I wasn't really doing. So, so a lot of people commented that they find, found my stuff boring. But then there were other people who were like gaga over my stuff and said, oh, this is so amazing. This is so unique. This is so, so you get all kind of feedback. Do you look at the good stuff as being something that spurs you on and, and, and the bad stuff is something that makes you really want to do better? Yeah, I actually like bad stuff because it <laughs> tells me where to improve, like where I can fix things. I may not necessarily do exactly what they want me to do, but I always, you always get a feedback from there. Okay. It's like a critique. Like uh, after every project, we would have a critique at Sheridan. It was always was nerve wracking, but that's the same thing I get to hear. Like what's working, what's not working. So I don't mind press or what people have to say. I just kind of learn from it. What would you say to an artist who was getting some bad feedback and yet was, was adamant that what they were doing was the right thing? I think all artists face that stuff. I haven't seen one artist like, there's always something to fix. There's always something to correct because, like I said, you can't really please everyone. But at the end of the day, it's about you being true and authentic to yourself and um, what you're doing, your work. So. Yeah, just keep on making your stuff. And, you know, you with time, you kind of develop your own style. It's not going to come right away. So people will say, oh, you're making, what's this? You're making crap. But you keep on making crap because something will come out of it very soon, sooner than you realize, because you tend to improve yourself by making a lot of work. Then you go back, you put it in a, been somewhere in your basement and it happens to me and a couple of years later I'll look at it again and I'll think oh wow this had some potential maybe I should tweak it this way so I think you should just make a lot of work do a lot of stuff and then just sleep on it and then come back to it I'm the same way I have idea after idea after idea and some of them are good, some of them are bad, and some of them I don't really know. 
I put all of them away. And the ones that keep creeping back into my consciousness and keep coming back and I keep rolling them around, those are the ones that I know have, have something in it. And I may not see it right away, but that just means they deserve some attention because they keep on knocking at the door. And eventually, hopefully, something comes of them. We spoke earlier about, about trying to balance all of this, creativity and, and running your business and family. You have a lot of family uh, obligations. How do you make this all work? In a family, you have to really support each other. I support my husband. He supports me. And I support my kids. They support me. It's, it's give and take, really. And where there is love, you can balance anything out. I'm really proud to say, like, I have an amazing family. My kids are really amazing. They're such wonderful kids. And my husband is an amazing person as well. So we help each other out. We understand. And, you know, my husband has driven me for interviews like 4 a.m. to Toronto and sat there and waited for me till I was done with the breakfast show, like stuff like that. So, and, you know, uh, that's how it works. How do you stay motivated when things feel like they're too much? I can't say. I have my own moments like where I get, like, I'm like, okay, like currently right now, it's so hard to stay motivated with all this stuff with COVID. It's not easy. And I'm not going to tell you I have it all together all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, it gets frustrating. And I had a meltdown recently and I was like, what's going on? What are we doing? When is this going to be over? But then... You know, I count my blessings and I'm like, okay, maybe it's enough, you know, crying and now I need to get up and do some stuff and maybe start with cleaning up my studio or doing little <laughs> things and then maybe I should help people and make some free masks and that kept me sane and now I'm getting back into the groove. Yeah, staying busy is important even if it's not the primary type of work that you are used to doing. Yes. Making sure that you are doing something. You're not getting stagnant. Exactly. Maybe do something that makes you feel good. Like I think I started making free masks just because it made me feel good. And I needed that. And I needed to feel good to stay motivated. And now I feel so much better. And I feel, okay, maybe now I should open my art book again and start making some fresh prints and I'm ready for that now. I think it helped me. You feel reinvigorated. Yes, I do. I do totally. What kind of advice would you give to somebody who's trying to get into the art, fashion, textile world? I think it has to come from within you. If you're trying to get into something, don't do it. But if it comes naturally to you, jump into it. I gave a talk at a school here in Mississauga, and I was like, uh, it was a symposium, career symposium. I, I can't remember the name of the school, but I told the kids, I showed them my work, and then I told them my story, my struggles, and what I did. And I also told them that I do not make a ton of money. And some of them were, oh, then it's not for me, you know? And uh, that's how you have to figure it out. If it's um, art and being creative, 
there is no choice there. It's a compulsion. So I sometimes I joke about it. There are two kind of people in those in this world: normal and artists. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta decide if you want to be an artist or you want to be a normal person. <laughs> so yeah, I think that answer is just gonna come from you. Have you ever encountered anybody who um, who honestly is dying to be an artist, but they just do not have that special thing? What would you tell them? Well. I wouldn't really tell them to stop because they will stop at some point themselves because it's like at the end of the day, you have to survive. You can keep trying as much as you want, but if it's not selling, they will be obliged to take up something else, a job or something else, you know. And it has happened to a bunch of people who ended up doing something completely different. So where can people find more about you? I like to sell directly to people at the shows. Now that we don't have shows, but you can go on my website and shop online. And my stuff is also selling at Art Gallery of Ontario, their gift shop. So, but I always, yeah, tell people buy directly from the artist because with uh, the stores, they do take 50% of the markup which doesn't leave you with really anything. And I tell everyone that if you want to buy from them, you should buy directly from an artist because that's how they're able to pay their bills. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us how you make a living. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful talking to you. Subscribe to Making a Living Show at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, the guests, or me, visit makingalivingshow.com. You can follow along on social media at makingaliving1. And if you like what you hear, be sure to share the show with someone you know. Thanks for listening.